Welcome to Ira's Everything Bagel, where I talk with intriguing people about everything, their passions, pursuits, and points of view. Judy Garland's 100th birthday on June 10th was celebrated in Zankel Hall at Carnegie Hall with a concert by my guest Debbie Wildman, who performed her recreation of Judy joined by a live orchestra conducted by Ron Abel. In her new album, I'm Still Here, Debbie performs songs from Judy's illustrious career and songs from today that she thinks Judy would sing if she were here. You can follow Debbie on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Debbie, welcome to the show. Hi. Hi. Tell us a little bit about your song of the day on Facebook and how all that just exploded and you, wait, what happened here? And all of a sudden now you're on tour, you're in the United States, you're at Carnegie Hall. You're everywhere. You're recording at Sony Studios, which used to be the MGM Studios, which I want to talk to you about as well. So, but let's start off first with the song a day on Facebook. Okay. Well, it was just an idea I had that I thought would be nice for some of my friends um, in lockdown, you know, when lockdown started and some people were having to self-isolate and I have friends who live by themselves and it's pretty lonely, you know, and I thought, oh, that's, that's a bit grim and I'd seen a couple of videos that people have made online, like Gary Barlow, who's from the boy band Take That and things. And I thought, oh, that, were, that might be nice. So I, I trained in performing arts. I did a performing arts degree when I was 18 to 21. And I've always sung and all of that. I had original dreams to become like a singer-actress and it didn't really pan out, basically. You know, in my early 20s, I gave it a go and uh, I got a few bits of work, but not enough to do it as a career, really. You know, I've got bills to pay. I don't come from a rich family or anything. So I was like, better get a job then after, you know, five years of trying. And well, so you, you even came to me for a loan, but, you know, I couldn't help you, so... Um, but maybe a bagel. I'd, yeah. have, I'd take a bagel. All right. I'm shipping <laughs> some out. Or, you know. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah. So I sort of gave it up and was just normal working schmo, you know. I had all sorts of rubbish jobs. And then almost five years ago now, I became a mum. So I was a stay-at-home mum with my little girl, who at the time was two. And I hadn't done any professional singing or acting for like 12, 13 years. And I just thought it would be a nice thing to do. I'll sing a song a day on Facebook for my 600 or so friends. And they might like it. I wouldn't have done it otherwise because I would have thought it was sort of showing off. or like, oh, look at me, sing a song. But I thought, oh, it's lockdown. What the hell? I do a song a day, something different. And that might be nice. My friends might like it, you know. And I thought it might be nice for people by themselves, a little something different every day. Also, it was something for me to do, you know. So I started doing that. And the first one I did, it was just with, so I'm on my iPhone at the moment. It was with my old iPhone playing the backing track through a little speaker and recording it on this iPhone. <laughs> nothing fancy, you no, know. No fancy. mic, nothing. <laughs> and um, day one, I did Johnny Mathis, Misty. Day two, I did Etta James at last. And day three, because I'd done a one-woman show about Judy Garland when I was in my 20s, I wrote a one-woman show about her because I'm a massive fan and I could do this sort of impression of her singing. Some of my friends who'd seen the first two were like, go on, go on, Deb, do, do some Judy. Get your wig out of the cupboard. Go on, go on. <laughs> All right. And so I did The Man That Got Away on day three. 
And I recorded it, put it up there, and then thought, oh, shall I put it on a Judy Garland site on Facebook? Why not? Maybe they'll like it. I'm singing a Judy song, you know. And I put it on there. And then I continued to do a different song a day. And they just started getting shared and shared and shared. It was particularly the Judy one that kicked it off. And then people were asking to be my friend. And I was like, well, that's nice. Yes, yes. Not checking who anyone was either, because I think it's the wording of it, friend. You think, oh, that's nice. I've got a friend. <laughs> yeah. And I didn't see who they were, which gen- like mainly was lovely. There were a few um, odd friends. Things I was sent. Yes. That made me go, oh, block. <laughs> so you went from um, 600 friends to 9 million friends all in a very short period yeah, of time. Well, you can only have 5,000 ah, on Facebook. Okay. And I've got 4,000 <laughs> and something at the moment. Because, but that's astonishing. I was just like, what? And uh, I just carried on doing these song of days. And I did 100 in a row every day, a different one. And then after I got to 100, I went down to doing three a week. And I was doing that until a few months ago, really. And it's just built and built and it's been lovely and unexpected because it wasn't what I was doing it for. It was just to do something nice. But it's it's been amazing, the outcome. You know, I, I'm astonished. How did you go from there to Carnegie Hall? How did that work? And then you're at the, right. on the soundstage of, as I mentioned earlier, Sony Studios, which used to be the great MGM Studios, which is where Judy Garland obviously worked. and sang and performed. So how did that all happen? That's the missing link, as I like to say. Oh, well, I don't think he'd like to be described as the missing link, but it would be Scott Stanton. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) No, I wasn't referring to Scott as the missing link. Hey, sorry, Scott. No, no, no. no. In fact, do you have links in England? I think so, right? They're like sausage links? No, we don't. Just sausages. Oh, just sausages. They're not called Lynx. Lynx is a very posh um, jewellery brand in Ah, London. Ah, okay. Lynx of London. They make those silver (laughs) bases. have lots of little uh, silver hoops. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. (laughs) So he Um, obviously saw what was going on and was able, through the magic of Scott, to make it happen. He contacted me. He just contacted me via Facebook Messenger and said, you know, I've see what you've been doing on here I really like the look of it and at this time it was still lockdown it was like the summer of 2020 and we just had a chat we had a chat on the phone I thought oh that's nice and you know nothing was happening so we couldn't do anything but we just had a nice talk and then he phoned me again about six months later we had another nice chat about you know things he represented some of my favorite stars like Ann Miller and things like that And we were just having a talk and he was saying, you know, I'd like to work with you, but at the moment, nothing's happening. So it was just chatting and we got on. And then as time went on, he said, you know, I'd like to meet you. I think we could work really well together. And in January of this year, he flew me out to LA to just meet up with him and like actually meet in person and stuff. And it was great. We really got on and you know, he's a man that gets things done. And he was like, well, what would you like to do? What do you think? And he's really cool in that uh, he lets me be very collaborative with a lot of stuff. And like, he listens to my ideas and things, which is really great. And yeah, I've just really landed on my feet. And he said, you know, I'd like to represent you. Can I be your manager agent? And and it that's what's kicked a lot, all of this stuff off. 
And uh, yeah, it's just been fabulous. Yeah. So you end up performing at Carnegie Hall and you end up on the sound stages of, well, it's actually technically the Barbra Streisand scoring stage. That's what it's called now, yes. Right. And I saw pictures of you there and I would just imagine what it must have been like for you to be in that same space that Judy Garland stood in and recorded. Yeah. And I mean, all the MGM musicals, all of the the music and soundtracks and everything for every MGM musical was recorded in that room. And it was astounding to be in there. You know, honestly, I mean, we recorded. um, So basically, we met in the January and I did a rehearsal because I'd had I'd already been doing these videos with my song a day of a few songs that Judy had never done. But as Judy, because some people on this Facebook group called the Judy Garland Experience had sort of suggested stuff. And I'd, I can't remember what the first one was. I think it was possibly as if we never said goodbye from Sunset Boulevard that I made as a video at home in my car, singing it as Judy would have done. And then, you know, I did a couple of these. And then I asked the Facebook group, what would you like to hear me do as Judy Garland that she didn't do? And I had loads of suggestions. So I'd already asked this question like a year before. So when Scott and I were talking and we met up in the January, I just airily mentioned, oh, I think it'd be really great to do an album. And he was like, right, (laughs) let's do it then. And he watched some of the videos and he said it was the recording I'd done at home of 50% from Ballroom as Judy that made him go, I like that one. Yeah, let's do it. So he got a 30-piece orchestra all together in the same studio, which apparently people don't do anymore. But no, it Nobody does that anymore. I don't know anybody. Had, in fact, the last person to do it was Frank Sinatra, I believe, when even though everybody had shifted over to not recording in the same studio, that's the way he liked to record. So other than him, I don't think anybody else has done that. So the fact that you're standing in front I'm of the orchestra. Yes, you are. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And again, it's got to be crazy because you're on that stage where Judy Garland recorded, but you're also facing an orchestra. And so the electricity must have been incredible. Mm, Yeah. And Steve Orich was conducting and he did the orchestrations and he was the orchestrator for Jersey Boys, the show. And he was a wonderful guy to work with. Ron Abel had worked on some of the arrangements as well. And it was just brilliant. We did the recording with the orchestra in what used to be A&M Studios, which is now Henson, because that was big enough to fit the orchestra in. And that was a great place to be as well, because all the Carpenters albums were recorded there. John Lennon, Rock and Roll, the album was recorded there. You know, that's got an amazing vibe to it as well. It was Charlie Chaplin's studio before it was A&M, and his footprints are in the courtyard and stuff. So, I mean, that's, as it is, that's amazing. But Scott had booked four or five hours on the Saturday at what was MGM. And um, luckily, I worked quite fast. So initially, it was the whole let's record because one of the songs on the album is Over the Rainbow. We do one that she'd done before so that people can listen to it and compare the impression and can sort of go, oh, she does sound like it, you know, because it's you maybe can't tell as much if you listen to stuff she never did. But we'd done one song that she'd already done. And initially, we were just going to record that. MGM because it's where she recorded it originally. I could record it there. Amazing, which it was, but I worked quite fast. So we ended up doing like four or five vocal tracks there. 
at MGM. And I just felt really inspired by the surroundings because apparently what I heard when we were there was that the building was built in the 30s and they just finished that particular building when they did the Wizard of Oz and they hadn't finished the insides of the room. So on all the walls inside, it's not plastered. It's got different bits of like plyboard, chipboard, bits of wood. Very glamorous. Yes. Wood on the inside. Yes. And they were going to plaster it. They just hadn't finished yet. And they recorded the soundtrack to The Wizard of Oz in there and were so happy with the results. They went, don't touch it. So it's still got all those different bits of wood on the inside of the walls. And it's it's amazing. It's got that smell and it's you know, because it's not, you know, perfect and pristine, it's as it was. Exactly. It's extra special. So, and it's got loads of 1930s stuff in there as well. I'm a little confused in this sense. So you recorded some tracks at what is now the Sony Studios, but the orchestra recorded at what was A&M Studios, correct? Yeah. Okay. So w- when they recorded, were you also with the orchestra yeah. at A&M? Okay. Yeah. So, so uh, just a couple of vocal tracks without the orchestra at Sony Studios and then the rest in front of the orchestra at well, I did all of them with the orchestra okay. as a okay. guide vocal for some of them, and some of them were just the vocals we used. I see. Okay. But just so that we could do some recording in MGM, Absolutely. I did vocals by itself with the already recorded orchestra that we had recorded at um, A&M the day before. We did just the vocals at MGM the next day so that there was a choice, I think, you know, we were always going to do Over the Rainbow there, but there were a few songs where it was, I was getting tired and we just did a guide vocal and we recorded the orchestra because we only had them for two days. But there were a couple where we had the orchestra recorded, but my vocals were just like a guide to get the timings. Gotcha. And we did the proper vocals that are on the album at MGM right. with me listening to the orchestra that we'd recorded the previous day. What was so, the reaction of the orchestra to... The whole idea, because it would seem to me that there's not that many orchestras around anymore, number one. Number two, to be able to record in that fashion in the historic studio. And number three, with someone who sounds remarkably like Judy Garland, you must have had some feedback from some of the musicians. Oh, yeah. Without sounding too big-headed, they loved it. They were having a great time because they were all together. They said what made it so nice, a lot of the musicians said, was that they were all together in the same room. They said it's really dispiriting sometimes when you just do your little piece and you send it in and then you don't really hear the rest or you you haven't got that feeling where you're all playing together and you're, you know, vibing off everyone in there and yeah. you, you don't have that live unity, you know, right. and they had that and they really enjoyed that. But then they also were very complimentary and were saying, oh, you sound great and blah, blah, blah. You know, I think... Um, Everyone enjoyed it because also they're playing with the conductor in front of them and I'm there watching him and, oh, it was amazing. So I think it's the human connection that makes the yeah, difference. Yeah, absolutely, especially after COVID as well. Right. You know, they all unfortunately still had to wear masks and stuff. Which is kind of hard to play the tuba, together. isn't it? <laughs> well, <laughs> you could take so, them off for that bit. Yeah, I wasn't uh, wearing a mask while I was singing. No, but, um, I, I would imagine not. So in addition to Judy Garland, and I want to talk to you about some upcoming stuff, but in addition to Judy Garland, some of the other people that you sound like, I guess that's the way to phrase it, 
or you impersonate, but I don't like the term impersonate per se. It's more you're in their skin, you're in their world. And it's Shirley Bassey, Marilyn Monroe, Julie Andrews, Billie Holiday. What goes on internally with you when you have to go into a different realm, into a different voice, into a different presentation? I wouldn't say like I'm a method performer and that, you know, I have to beat myself up or believe that I've been born. <laughs> no, but you have to cue yourself to get into a different vocal you know, range, right? Um, I think, you know, just listen to the actual person beforehand. I'm good at being able to hear myself. You know, I just, I've got to be on it and think, thinking all the time, does that sound like them? How would they say, is it? I don't know. I'm just, I'm just lucky that I'm quite good at, you know, doing impressions. I'm good at doing accents as well. And I've, I've heard people say that if you're good at doing accents, you're also good at impersonating people, which well, makes you, sense. You're wonderful with an <laughs> accent because I happen to know you're an American. And just to have that <laughs> accent the way you're doing it now. Oh, come on, Ira. Shut up. <laughs> Sorry. I couldn't, couldn't resist. Don't let the cat out of the bag. You're right. You're right. <laughs> so you have the natural ear and you have the obviously the chops to come up with these different people. Is there one besides Judy Garland? And I'm going to come back to Judy in a minute. But is there another one that's not equal to that, but I mentioned some of the other performers that you can do. Is there another favorite in addition to Judy Garland? Um, no, Judy's the main one. I wouldn't actually say I'm an impressionist as such. I'm a singer uh, because I sing as myself mainly. It's just the Judy thing has sort of taken off, but I can do impressions. I wouldn't say that I am an impressionist and I do that. I mean, some people right. may say differently, but um, no, no, I'm glad you're. I'm glad you're clarifying fun. that so people understand the difference. Yeah, it's, it's literally it's more fun. Really, that's why I was doing it. It's, it's more of a, a laugh, or <laughs> you know, it was just to be fun and go. Hey, listen to this. I could do that as well. <laughs> or yeah, it's not. I don't. Judy, I take very seriously because I'm a massive fan, and she's portrayed. She's been portrayed a lot previously, and it's as some of the portrayals get my nerves because it's all very doom and gloom or, you know, I don't feel that the singing is quite right. You know, I, I'm a perfectionist with that and I feel almost quite protective over her. I don't know why she doesn't need my protection. She's <laughs> a superstar, you know, but I think as a fan, when you're a big fan of someone, you do feel a bit protective of them and you're like, well, that, but that's not right. And, oh no. And I think I'm more serious with that. Um, as well, because more people are watching that and there's more of a, ooh, I better do the, you know, um, I better do this properly. I mean, always I try and do things properly. I'm a bit of a perfectionist, but that's the only one that's been a bit more serious. And the others are more a laugh, to be honest. You know, I love Shirley Bassey. I think she's a brilliant performer, but my impression of her is quite silly. Um, <laughs> you know, and... Well, from a fan yeah. from a fan base point of view, I would think that of those ladies, Judy Garland is one that that even today has the largest fan base. Well, me included, you know, I yes, I am absolutely. a fan. That's why I right. do it. Of course. Yeah, I think she's probably got the best material as well. Like the songs she did are just great, and she's the whole package because you've got the films, the singing, the concerts, the albums the interviews you know Shirley is a singer you don't you can't watch some films she's made really you know she's 
And Judy's Ju- got more. Right. And Judy also had a television variety show as well. So you can add that to the mix. So she was all over the place. Well, yeah. Yeah. Did yeah. You- and all different periods of her performance career as well, which is all a bit different. You know, poor Julie Andrews had that awful operation on her throat in the early 80s, I think, after Victor Victoria, or maybe a bit later, early 90s, and they messed it up so she can't sing anymore. So you haven't got as much stuff of hers to look at. You know, poor old Billie Holiday. I mean, even though Judy had quite a short life, she didn't have to pack in tons because she was recording with MGM and that from the age of 12. So you've got so much stuff there as well to sort of enjoy. I now know who you sound like to me. Are you ready? And it's not even a, it's a character, not a actual person, but one of the people that you do the voice of did that character. And that is, you sound like Eliza Doolittle. Oh, okay. I'll take that. <laughs> as common as her. Oh, what's my face name before I come I did? I just, I just, I just what I'm hearing. I'm hearing that in my head. I may be wrong. Well, I'm from East London. Yeah, there you go. So, yeah, that could work. Did you? I'd love to play Eliza. Oh, Oh. yeah. I think you'd be great in it. Just I can can hear just your your voice and you would. Exactly. (laughs) Falls mainly in the plane. So, when you prepared to perform at Carnegie Hall, did you hear, you must have because you're a fan, Judy Garland's album at Carnegie Hall? Of course. I've had it for years. Of course, of course. Yeah. And there's nothing better. I don't care, you know, CDs and MP3 downloads, but the original album, 33 and a third vinyl, that, I mean, you just get that whole electricity that I don't know if you yeah, get. Yeah, and you've got nice big cover art. Yeah. You've got stuff to I've, I've got loads of records. Yes. Yeah. If we were, I mean, I'm in my dad's, my mum and dad's house at the moment, but if we were in my house, I'd turn it down to show you my records. I've got a big vinyl collection. I actually do um, vinyl DJing sometimes. Nice. I have, yeah. Do you have plans to come back to the United States and perform yes. again? And do you know when that's going to be happening? Um, there's definitely some booked updates in March of next year, but hopefully I might be coming in autumn. I'm not sure yet, but there's definitely stuff booked for March. Very excitingly, I'm going to be singing with a symphony orchestra, right. 65 pieces in Illinois. It's near Chicago. It's not in Chicago, but it's near Chicago. And of course, they can check your schedule on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube in terms of when you're going to be coming back to the United States. Are you also performing, because people listen to this all over the place, are you going to be performing across the pond, which is your, actually, you're there already. Are you going to perform in Great Britain or are you, are you going to perform in Europe or Asia that you know of yet? That I know of, I'll be doing some London dates in February okay. next year. Good. So people can check any of your social yeah, media channels and, and see once you get everything committed. Yeah. Okay, it's not booked in yet, but right, it right. Will no, be understood. I understood. How far do you like to take the Judy Garland part of what you do? Because you are a massive fan, and you do sound like Judy Garland, and there are so many Judy Garland fans. Will this be your focus for the next couple of years, or do you do that? But you also do all the other singing, including in your own voice as well. How are you looking at the next four or five years? Ideally, I'd like to do more stuff as myself. 
because you know I'm not someone else I'm me exactly and I'd like to be me you know I love doing the Judy stuff and it's been amazing it's been just so great doing this and celebrating her and um it's given me opportunities that I never would have had and it's brilliant and I love doing it but I would also like to be myself you know I'd like I said earlier, I don't see myself as an impersonator necessarily. I just a singer. So I'd like to do some stuff as me, definitely. And happily, Scott was agreeing with that and was saying, yeah, we'll do that as well. I mean, we're going to do more Judy stuff because we've done the album and a show exists now. And, you know, that's something that is, that has legs, you know, and it's, it's brilliant to do. We really enjoy it. So I'm going to do more of that. But also, I'd like to do some more stuff as myself. Well, I think you could do a parallel track so that you do the Judy Garland part and you do your own material as well. And I think both could work for you. I hope so. Yes, no, I think that that works out fine. When you first started down this journey of posting videos, you obviously had no idea where that would lead. Was there a point after the first 10 songs that you saw traction and you said, whoa, this is leading to something. Yeah, yeah, it was crazy. When I started just getting all these friend requests and then some of them I was like, hold on, is that, you know, there were a few like famous people and things like that. And I was like, what? Is that Mickey Rooney's widow (laughs) asking to be my friend? (laughs) What? Um, And, you know, she was in, that lady was in Dallas. And what, huh? Uh, You know, that was a big sort of surprise and just the amount of people asking to be my friend or sharing it or views you know when you put out a video that I've made in my car or whatever incidentally I recorded them in my car because we've got a neighbor who's horrible who bangs on the wall <laughs> doesn't like noise and I could only do the videos at night and also you found out that the acoustics in your car were similar to the Sony studio stage Oh, yeah. Yes, yeah. it was pretty pretty much the same. You left the glass as it is because it was such a good sound. <laughs> this is it. It's covered in bits of wood on yes. the inside of well, my car. Well, you, you can't keep the wood up permanently because then you can't drive. So you'd have to get another car and just use that car for recording. <laughs> yes, this is my recording car. Yeah, exactly. All right. Can't let you go without asking of you, perhaps a little Judy Garland? Uh, only a little. Yes. I, I, I I thought it would like a lot. <laughs> All right. Well, only if you give me a bagel afterwards. Oh, we'll do. <laughs> Good. I like blocks. Anyway. Um, <clears throat> somewhere over the rainbow, way up high. There's a land that I heard of once in a lullaby. Thank you, Judy. Is that all right? Thank you, Debbie. <laughs> it was. Well, that's a great way to leave it. My guest has been Debbie Wildman. In her new album, I'm Still Here, Debbie performed songs from Judy Garland's illustrious career and songs from today that she thinks Judy would sing if she were there. You can follow Debbie on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Debbie, thanks for being on the show. Well, thank you so much for having me, Ira. Cheers. Cheers, and join us every Thursday for a new schmear 
on Ira's Everything Bagel.